Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life, from the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching programme, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement programme and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. Nurses, we just want to thank you for everything you do. We are ShiftKey.com. Log on today and connect to open PRN shifts in your area. Work when you want, where you want. You can even get paid next day. Shiftkey.com. Start today. This podcast is brought to you by DrunkMummySoberMummy.com and made in association with HelloSundayMorning.org, changing the world's relationship with alcohol one Sunday at a time. Oh, the kettle's boiled. Great. Perfect timing. Should we get started then? I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Lucy Good. And this is Sober Awkward. Right, Lucy, over to you. Thanks, Vic. So whatever stage you're at on your sober journey, and Vic and I are at completely different stages... You'll know that life without booze can at times feel, what do you reckon? Awkward. Lucy and I invite you to listen to our podcast where we discuss the realities of sobriety. The good, the bad, the ugly and the cringingly embarrassing. Our honest and open chats will help you discover what it really means to be sober. Yes, we're here like a dodgy bottle of port from your nan's drink cabinet to take the edge off sobriety. And together, we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. Sometimes my lips get stuck on my teeth. I don't know why, because I can't help it.
That's the song I keep singing in my head, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let Alan leave that in the recording. Is that because of silly. is that because of the face I'm? No, pulling. it's just these little dogs on the reels that have their teeth, their lips stuck in their teeth, and that's the song that goes with it. But sing it again. Anyway, go on, sing sometimes again. my lips get stuck on my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Always you giving that. us the thumbs up, right? We're, we're ready to go. We're all ready. Okay, now we we just been for brekkie, haven't we? And uh, yes, <laughs> what were we talking about? Well, we were talking about grog bog, which is something that I had never heard of before. Let me just, Alan, have you ever heard of grog bog? Yeah, it's a cocktail, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a toilet cocktail of, of some sort, <laughs> I guess. Uh, that's definitely a. Yeah, for that, Alan, nah. that wasn't right. The wrong answer, Alan. <laughs> yeah, there was an article I was reading before me and Lucy came to record the podcast this morning. There was an article I was reading about in in the national newspaper, I may add, about grog bog, which I'd never heard that term before. And apparently it's what you do in the toilet after a night of drinking. And the, the gentleman involved was asking a doctor what to do about grog bog. Have you heard of grog bog, Lucy? I have never heard of it. It makes me think back to my drinking days and what my poos were like at the time, <laughs> yeah. which is really, you know, I never thought I'd be going through that thought process no. this morning. No. I never noticed that they were particularly different no. when I, when I, but no. maybe they were just always the same because I was always hungover. Yeah, yeah, so you just accepted them. But anyway, it was funny in the article that um, it wasn't to say that dr- stopping drinking would make grog bog better. It was actually ways to still drink but still not have grog bog, if you know what I mean. Yes, exactly. So nowhere in the article did they say, maybe drink a little bit less and then you're doing normal poo in the morning. It was just how to do, yeah, not grog bog poos and have a (laughs) full meal and drink lots of water and all these other ways of of getting through the toilet experience the next day. It was just weird. The obvious answer from the doctor was stop drinking. Yeah. But no, that never came up. Yeah, but try, just trying to find other ways around it so you yeah. can carry on drinking yeah. but not have the side effects I know. the next day. I wish it was a cocktail, though, because that is a good name for a cocktail. Maybe Alan <laughs> could start a little alcohol-free <laughs> brand called Grog Bog. Yeah, I had not heard of that. Is Grog an Australian term? Yeah, Grog, yeah. I think, is an Aussie yeah. term, yeah. So um, they must use different uh, phrases for that morning after poo <laughs> in different <laughs> countries. I don't know whether we have a name anyway, for it in England. Yeah, if anyone would like to let us know yeah. <laughs> the name for that in yeah. your particular country, we'll be fascinated. I'm sure Viz probably has one. I'll have to look I'm it sure, up. Yeah, yes. I have, my favourite source is not available to me right now, but I can go and look that one up later. <laughs> That's some further research for you, Vic, because you like yeah. a bit of research, don't you? I do love a bit of research. The, and the other topic, which we... We actually had different topics to talk about this morning, but over breakfast we've decided that these are much more relevant. <laughs> um, it, we were talking about the courtesy bus, which is another Aussie thing, which is when you go to the local RSL club or the bowls club or, which or is, any sort of which pub, is like actually, a, a, pub, yeah. a pub or a hotel, they call it over here, you get a courtesy bus which comes and picks you up from home and drops you back so you can drink as much as you like, which in my day, I mean, I would have loved a courtesy bus, like, you know, to get rid of that who's drinking, who's driving, all that sort of thing. Um, but here, we were t- me and Lucy were talking about this morning in depth and we were like, God, the courtesy bus is actually just a kind of green light, isn't it? To go, right, you can get as wasted as you yeah. want and someone's there to give you a lift home. Yeah, and I don't know what it's like in other countries. I mean, Vic and I can only really compare England on Australia, but you do not get courtesy buses in England. And I think they're quite. it must, must sound quite weird to people who don't live in Australia that... You can actually phone up your local pub 
yeah. club bar and you can tell them where you live and they will send a bus for free to pick you up and then they will take you home when you've finished in there. And the reason they do this is so that you can have a drink. Yeah. That is mad, isn't it? It's madness. It's it's like a, the enabler bus, we could call it. The enabler we? bus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about enablers today. Yeah. But I, I just can't get my head around it. The more we, we were talking about it, and you were saying, Vic, weren't you, that there was a there's a big, some sort of bar near to you where there's a kids' play area underneath. And yeah. what was it? Parents go along with their kids on the courtesy bus, drop the kids off to the play area where they're looked after, obviously yep. by there's, staff. Yeah, there's someone there, staff there. Uh, they go up and have something to eat and as many drinks as they like, and then the whole family gets on the courtesy bus and goes home. Yeah. Need we say anything else about no. the madness of that? I mean, yeah. I mean, I hate to judge because it's probably things I have done in the past. We're not saying that we are judging those people that do those things because it was so ingrained in us as well that we probably would have done those oh, things in the past. definitely took the courtesy but it, bus. But now for us being sober, it seems like madness. It does. To get on a bus with your children absolutely hammered. I'm sure I've done it. Yeah. Oh, oh, God, I've definitely taken the courtesy bus. And the thing about it is that if you use the courtesy bus, you almost feel compelled to drink to the point where you can barely walk because yes. that's you the reason well. you got the courtesy bus, yeah. to allow yourself to get out of control that you can't make your own way home. And also they're smart, I guess, the clubs and pubs and those places that it's taking you to is that you're going to spend more money it's like it's kind of a selfish thing of them that finance financial thing really isn't it that you are going to go and you're going to drink more mm. because you don't have to leave to drive or just have one pint and then go so actually they're making more money yes, out that's of why having they, the courtesy 100%, bus 100% that's yeah. why they do it but when you look back on it and you think about it a little yeah. bit more it's madness another thing i tell you which is madness as we're having a bit of a rant here yes love a good rant my daughter has just come back from schoolies. Yeah. Now, for anyone who's not in Australia, um, when you finish high school over here, it is a massive thing. Uh, graduation is huge. And when that's all done um, and they've actually finished school and graduated, they have a thing called schoolies, which is basically a week-long party. It's like Freshers' Week for university in England, I think, isn't it, a bit? It might be, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, these are 17 and 18 year olds and they go down to the Gold Coast, they buy their schoolies passes, which means they get their accommodation and they have massive setups where they have bands and all these um, things that, the, that that age group loves. I think they can get cheap passes into the theme parks and okay. things like that. So in many ways, look, it's a brilliant thing. And my daughter came back yesterday. We'll just say she went to sleep at half past six yesterday evening. And when I left the house at half past seven, she was still asleep. Exhausted. <laughs> Exhausted. Partied out. But how weird is that, that when our kids graduate school and they should be getting themselves prepared for the real world, we then put on this massive event for them, which is alcohol fueled. I mean, yeah. we hear about all sorts of hideous things happening, happening at schoolies. Yeah. Uh, t teens falling off of balconies in hotels, you know, just drinking too much. It's a really can be quite a dis disaster if you yeah, event wondered, in many ways. I wonder during that week how many kids get their stomachs pumped from yeah, alcohol hospitalized. Poisoning. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it would be heaps and heaps of them because they really are. It's a, it's a drinking event. It's a week-long party. Yeah. So what is that saying to your kids as they yeah. come out of school and they're moving into adulthood and the responsibility of real life yeah. and they're, they're encouraged to go on a, an organised week-long party uh, and yeah. I, I feel that my daughter 
isn't a drinker like me, thank goodness. And she mm. seems to, she does like a drink, but she certainly doesn't get carried away at all. And while she was away for that week, I thought, God, I hope this sort of seven day party doesn't turn her into a drinker because mm. she's drinking every day. She's learning how hair of the dog can make her feel better. Mm. It really is utter madness. But it's also funny, like, we're not supposed to be talking about this now, but it is interesting. Like, the culture um, is almost forcing us to do that, saying, oh, we have to go through this as teenagers. We Mm. kind of thought, oh, just let, they've got to go through this. They've got to learn and they've got to know how to grow up and how to drink responsibly. But why do they have to go through this? Why can't we just be our authentic selves as a teenager and, and not put ourselves at risk? I mean, it's different for us now because we've been through it. And it's easy for us to say, but I almost want to just grab a teenager and just go, look, don't do this. Yes. Don't do what we did and make the mistakes and put yourself at risk and be promiscuous and take drugs when you're drunk and all of these things that we did. I would, I feel like, oh, please, just, you don't have to go through this to, to become a good person. You can just leave the alcohol behind and you will still progress much more quickly through your life with a lot more achievements yeah, probably. You will, but yeah. I mean, your voice would be a simple whisper against the seven night long party on the Gold Coast, yeah. which you know, it, it's it's almost like grooming them yeah. to, to, to drink and party from an early age. And um, also it's about impressing their peers mm. and about being accepted into their groups. And sometimes when you're a shy teenager like you were, the only way you know how to be able to fit into those situations is to drink, which yeah. is what we're talking about today. Yes, it is. Yeah, And I'll just quickly add a note about mm. schoolies. I, I do think it's great. Um, my daughter and her boyfriend had a brilliant time. They did lots of the theme parks. And I think it's wonderful yeah. that we live in this country where they love to celebrate things and they mm. do look after these graduating kids in terms of making sure that they're when they leave school, it's a massive event and they feel yeah. they've achieved something. So there's a lot of good things about it. But at the same time, if you look at it from the other angle, you think, God, you know, this is not giving them the right message early on in their lives no. as to the way that they, that they want to move forward. Anyway, rant over. Yeah, rant over. Well done. Had to I get that out of system. Now. Yeah, do you feel better now? I do feel a bit better, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. It's quite hot in here again, isn't oh, it? Oh, God, it is already. We've already. It's, I think it's because we're getting a bit worked up, Vic. I know. <laughs> getting angry. <laughs> we're angry at alcohol. <laughs> That's what we should have called the Yeah, angry at alcohol. Maybe it's kind of like my general demeanour <laughs> we'll nowadays. The angry alcoholics. Yeah. <laughs> That's about right. (laughs) Anyway, what are we talking about today, Vic? Today we're talking, I think we've got a title, Lucy, How People Can Help or Hinder Sobriety. Yep, so this episode is all about the people in our lives, the impact they have on our drinking and most importantly, how people affect our mission to get sober. We think this is a vital topic since, as humans, we can't help but want the approval of others, like at schoolies. Especially family members, close friends and even strangers. People we have never, ever met before. I mean, what the fuck is that all about, Lucy? (laughs) It's the most mental thing in the world that we care what other people think about us so much. I know, but we do. We were talking about it in the week, weren't we? We were saying something about we're going for a Christmas lunch and you've got some a new dress to wear. Yeah. And we were saying, well, we're not really trying to impress anyone. Well, apart from total strangers. Yeah. Isn't that mad? I just think, oh, and you can't even read what's in other people's brains. It's just such a bloody waste of time. Anyway, <laughs> it's because of this need to fit in and to conform to societal norms that questioning, moderating or quitting alcohol can be so damn difficult. And even though we might not always be aware of it, the people we surround ourselves with have a huge influence on the decisions we make around drinking. 
Yes, Vic, whether they're encouraging you to have one more for the road, looking at you strangely when you're not drinking tonight, or inconsiderately packing beer into the fridge and downing it in front of you when you're trying to have a night off. All these things make sobriety way harder than it needs to be. And it's often the people closest to us that hold the cards, the ones we live with or spend a lot of time with, husbands, wives, partners, best friends and parents. Are you surrounded by people who get your drinking problems or those who want you to forget your drinking problems? Because it's easier for them to brush their own alcohol issues under the carpet before settling in and pouring another red. Both Lucy and I spent years surrounding ourselves with people who allowed us to swill enough alcohol to burn down a whole village. But abate very slowly, we did see the light and rearranged our lives so that only those who were fully supportive of our sobriety got front row tickets. By listening to this podcast, we hope to get you thinking about the people in your world and how they affect your drinking. By telling some of our drinking stories, we hope you will understand that even those who genuinely love and care for you might not be supportive of your sobriety and why this might be. We'll suggest ways to talk to people who are perhaps unknowingly polluting your sober path ideally without pissing them off and losing all your friends. Hmm. Finally, we'll reassure you that choosing the right people to share your precious life with can make the difference between the sobriety struggle and the easier, happier, stress-free sobriety that Vic and I have discovered. Well, not totally stress-free, but it's better. <laughs> yeah, We still have our ups and downs. Can I, can a I just bit. say you're sounding very Australian today? Am I? Yeah, I yeah. It must be just that. Just say better. Yeah, better. I better. feel much better, mate. <laughs> Is that better? Yeah. You've uh, got an Aussie twang going on I there. I don't know what's going on there. It's bizarre. <laughs> it's your kids. Yeah. They've got the Aussie Bad accent. And it, it's turning you into an Aussie. Firstly, let's talk about why, as big drinkers, Lucy, we built a network of people around us who also like to drink. There's a quote I read this week. Problems arise when people try to impress others. So true. I mean, what good ever comes of it? I don't know. I don't. Yeah, exactly. It's not the right thing to do. It's not the right way to be behaving. So no. it's not going to bring anything good into your no, world. It's not, is it? Yeah, we are always trying to impress other people. I mean, when you it's get bullshit. up in the morning and you get dressed, you're putting on clothes really to impress other people yeah. around you. I mean, Strangers. did you put that outfit on to well, impress I put me? It on especially <laughs> it's for not you. working. <laughs> I am unimpressed. Well, I was going to put some makeup on, but I was running out of time. I thought, oh, it's only Vic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I am one of the people you don't need to impress. That's all right then. Uh, it's so true. It, ref- it reflects my own past behaviours, that quote. Problems certainly did arise because I was too busy trying to keep up with the character that I'd created. Um, I just wanted to go through some examples very quickly, Lucy, of the sort of people I r- surrounded myself with when I was a drinker. Um, and what, the things when I, when I thought about it, the first one that popped into my head was a guy I met in Bangkok who I wondered what he was doing. He had a little, little like a, a dropper, like an eyedropper. I thought he had sore eyes, mm. but I realised he was dropping acid into his eyeballs. <laughs> Did you think that was the coolest thing I in thought, the world oh and God, wanted to be guy, his best friend? Yeah, I thought, oh, that's cool. Like, that's the sort of person I want to hang out with, someone who's dropping acid droplets into their eyeballs. Yeah. The more outrageous, the more we wanted to hang out with them. Yeah, so it was, it was people like that. Bar owners, coke dealers, DJs, bouncers, general lost-its. 
the guy, oh yeah, the one of the guys, you know, this is the sort of level I got to, Lucio. I used to hang out with people who asked my friend for fellatio, I'll say the word fellatio, <laughs> in return for a gram of speed. I mean, that's the sort of person yeah. that I was hanging out with. And we were like, ah, oh, oh, we sort of laughed it off. We, she didn't do it. I was going to say, did she? <laughs> no, she didn't do it. I think I actually caught her Did she her not ask for two grams? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bit of bargaining. That's, that's, yeah, that's a different thing than fellatio, than <laughs> two grams. Yeah. And in the end, actually, the people I was hanging out with ended up being people at a courtroom because I got done for drink driving and that's the level yeah. I got to. They're, they were the people that were surrounding me one day. And I'll very quickly tell you the story of, of my drink driving um, event. Was It was the lowest, one of the lowest points, of course. Yes. Not that low because I didn't stop drinking. Yeah. But I was in a courtroom and there was a guy, I was outside the courtroom where you meet your duty solicitor and I was sitting opposite this guy who was talking to this solicitor who was asking him questions and the guy leant over to ask the solicitor a question and did a massive fart. And I just thought it was the most disrespectful thing. Yeah, and I said, I am never doing a crime ever again because I don't <laughs> want to be amongst people who fart in front of solicitors. So let me get this right. <laughs> It You're was a smelly up crime. You on the charge of drink driving. Yeah. <laughs> and that hasn't actually put you off or made you realise that <laughs> you're sort of really not going on the right path here in your life until this guy farts in front of you and it's kind of like that's that's it that's it yeah I am never going to break the law again due it wasn't to that standing up in front of the judge and saying guilty <laughs> it was that far it was the the man it was the people I surrounded myself I was like oh my god this, what have I become I'm I'm amongst the criminals the farters the far and the farters was he, was he an old man no, as a young guy, I just thought, God, this lovely duty solicitor has come to help him and support his case, and he's let rip in front of him. I Did said, he oh, do it God. on purpose, do you think? I don't know. It was just, I just thought, oh, never again shall I commit a, a smelly crime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that that happened yeah. and you have chosen to I mean, take the uh, non-criminal path. But pathway. that's the trajectory of my people yeah. I surrounded <laughs> myself with. You know, It starts off with the hanging around with people who I think are a laugh, to people that I'm actually in a courtroom yeah. with. I mean, that's that's oh, a kind of madness, quick descent, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, really. it is a massive, a massive descent of the wrong kind. Yeah, um, and I mean, of course, we're talking about um, why we um, build a network of people around us um, who also like to drink, and but we've gone off a little bit on the kind of people we surround ourselves with, and um, I'd like to bring the word into the conversation which we've already brought up. Uh, once already, but enablers. Yeah. Um, so those people that you're talking about, the guy with the eyedropper, the people in the court, um, I, I find that the people I would surround myself with when I was drinking, I a lot of the times I would call them my friends. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would go out with them for a period of time, so I would call them my partners or my boyfriends, although I'm a bit old for the word boyfriend, I think. But really looking back at it, they weren't those things. They were my enablers. They were people that, allowed me to drink more. Um, they liked me drinking. Um, and I'd go so far as to say some of the people who I've thought of as my closest friends, um, people I've had the longest relationships with, um, and people I've believed I'm in love with have been enablers. Yeah, And I'm not putting those people down because 
it, that works two way in enable a relationship. Yeah, and you're all in the same boat. You're yeah. all you're all fighting this human condition, which is to drink, to be yes. taught to drink. So you're all fighting the same battle. It's just whether or not who comes out of the fight. Yes, that's right. And you're you're, you're drawn. Like is drawn to like. Mm. So you want to be with somebody who is allowing you to carry on with this ridiculous drinking. Yeah, and those people are enabling it. So be it somebody in an enabler could be somebody you're in a bar and you just bump into someone who's drinking really heavily like you are and so suddenly you and that person are best friends for the night that's an enabler that you've just made it's not a mate yeah it's not a mate but it's someone who is allowing you to behave in the only way you know how yes and therefore you don't get any backlash from it because it's suddenly right we are similar you're finding something within someone in that short-lived moment you find a connection which is to drink together and then you're happy to find out what happens from that point Mm. and therefore you might bond and you might feel like you've made a friend but in fact the only thing you have in common is you're probably alcoholics. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it can be that person in a bar or it can I would go so far as to say on some level my ex-husband was my enabler and I was also his because we were both very, very big drinkers, big partiers, you know, so I would never I was never going to end up marrying someone who didn't drink because it was going to make me feel really awful um, all the time so yeah enablers is something we talk about quite a lot but that is the people that we surround ourselves with and also we surrounded ourselves with people that we thought were not boring like I sort of honed them out in those in those situations like Mm. I wanted to be with the people that were you know had the bottles of wine empty bottles of wine on the table I could go into a bar and scan the room and see what group I wanted to join Mm. it was the ones that were laughing the loudest with the empty bottles on the table that were sort of wobbly yeah (laughs) they'd be like right they're my kind of people they're not going to pull me out the crowd and say I've got a drink problem so therefore I'm going to you know, get into that yeah but often it's the ones who are laughing the loudest doesn't necessarily mean they're having the best time does no. it you know they're probably just laughing over ridiculous things I can remember like dogs getting their yeah. lips stuck in their teeth <laughs> <laughs> but at least we remember the ridiculous things we laugh about yeah. when I first when I was first going through oh my god am I drinking too much my drinking isn't right I was living in Byron Bay with my I wasn't married to him then but with my ex-husband so a very very long time ago and we had a party and loads of people came around our house and I made a complete tit of myself in a number of ways and I mm. woke up the next morning feeling really unhappy mm. um, and like I said from the first my, my first signs of like things aren't right here with my drinking and I do remember mentioning it to my my now ex-husband and saying in some words I don't feel happy I feel like I made a fool of myself and mm. I feel uncomfortable and he said to me I always knew where you were last night because I just had to listen to where the loudest laughter was coming from. Mm. He said to me that wherever I went, everyone was laughing and happy. So that turned my my worries into, oh, that's a good thing. That's quite cool that everywhere mm. I was, people were happy. I was making people laugh. And so that was just one of those moments where, yes, of course, he was only doing it to make me feel better. And I, he genuinely yeah. meant it. Yeah. But I was trying to to voice my unhappiness and my need for help. They were probably laughing because you were rolling around probably, on the floor. Like exactly. Dead dead birds. Yeah, I think I was probably entertaining them. Yeah. But he'd immediately switched it from, you know, you're, you you were the... Making it okay. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. enabling it. Yeah, and I thought best. of that because you mentioned the loud laughter. And so loud laughter is not necessarily people having a genuinely good time. No. And often, actually... I mean, there's some things that make me laugh out loud, but I reckon that drinking laughter is is different, isn't it? 
because it is more raucous and it's more like, oh, yeah. there's more passion behind yeah, it. Yeah, did you used to find that when, when, you, <laughs> when you were drunk, like you might say something funny and everyone laughs at it and you thought, oh, that was great. I made everyone laugh. So you said it again even louder oh, and you yeah. just keep, keep saying it louder and louder and everyone carries on laughing. Because everyone's just as drunk so they don't really care what yeah. you're saying anymore. But, it's just but like, you're just oh, repeating yourself. Yeah. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> So, yeah, I liked people that were like me. I liked creating havoc and always had stories to tell. Um, and being around other drinkers really hid my issues. That's what it is. It's a barrier. It's a wall, isn't it? The people we surround ourselves are that safety net, yes, that border of, of of safety that no one can penetrate and we're all in this together yes. and let's not anybody get out of this this little castle that we built for ourselves because that's the safe place yes, to be. I don't have to address my drinking all the while I'm surrounded by people who are drinking the same, if not more than me. Yeah. Um, and another um, a reason why we surrounded ourselves with other people who drank a lot was, for me, I lost interest in everything else in life other yeah. than drinking. It, it, someone said, like, do you want to come out? cart racing or do you want to go for a walk in the bush or Morris dancing Morris dancing whatever I would just say no if mm. it didn't involve alcohol I yeah. could do it as long as there was a promise of alcohol at the end yeah but I'd lost my interest in anything but drinking and so for me that was all I had left so all of my friends had to be dr big drinkers and for you and I we talk about identity quite a lot don't we that was your identity and it was mine it was so deeply ingrained within us that we didn't know we were allowed to be who we truly are which is what we are now so it's like we're not allowed to investigate further beyond the booze because that's where the line is drawn that's where mm. it stops is because we, it's so ingrained in us. It's what we've grown up with. It's how we have fun. It's all of these things. So why would we bother looking outside of the, you know, the box and see what the truth is when we're happy in this in this friendly bubble with all our mates? And we didn't know what was outside of that box no, until no we tried idea. it. Yeah, I had no we idea. We were very surprised at what sobriety actually was. But look, um, our listeners already know that in their heart of hearts, which people in their worlds are not conducive to their mission to stop or moderate drinking. However, for us, it took a long time to see the signs because mm. we didn't want to see them, did we, Vic? No. Um, so to make the process easier for you, our listeners, here are some red flags that you should look out for um, that the people in your world are not helping your drinking. Yeah, what were yours, Lucy? Um, well, I think a really obvious one is if you're out and you say to someone, I'm not drinking, mm. if they ask you why if they recoil in horror <laughs> yes. and like do the crucifix yes. sign with their fingers <laughs> and make a hissing sound like you're a vampire and throw some garlic yeah. cloves at your if, face if they need any kind of answer to that question yeah. and you have to give them an explanation um then that's just a massive red flag. It should yeah. You should be okay to say, hey, I'm just not drinking tonight. You don't have to give a reason. Now, again, when I was a big drinker, I would uh, I would be the one with the crucifix and the garlic Me and, too. and everything. Yeah. So, again, no judgment here if no, you're still in that stage. We're very hypocritical, we, me and Lucy. I, we admit to it. Massively, We have been yeah. these people, so oh, I we was are sorry awful. about that. But, yeah. I was awful. Um, and also, you know, people make fun of you for not drinking and yep. often that is a passive aggressive thing I can remember telling one of my friends that I'd stopped drinking and he said well you won't be much fun to go out with anymore mm. ha 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 mm. now that was a really unusual response because most of them were really positive on Florida's Space Coast we think you can have the best of both worlds 
Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. People who make the decision hard for you by carrying on drinking in front of you, and that's something we'll get to later on about when you're living with someone who's a big drinker. Mm. Um, you know, by if somebody know if you if you've told somebody that you're struggling with your drinking and they carry on drinking in front of you, that's not somebody who's there to support you. Um, perhaps they don't want to see you um, unless there is drink involved. That's yep. a red flag, and that's going back and sort of switching it around on what we were just saying. Like I didn't want to go out mm. and see anyone unless we were having a drink, so yep. I was that person. But if drink has to be involved, then. You know, that's a red flag that that person you're hanging out with is is probably not really deep down on the same level as you. Um, You know, if you don't have very much in common with someone other than drinking, just strip it back. Take the drinking away and then think, what have we got in common, me and this person? Often people will also express that they feel let down or disappointed that Mm. you're not drinking. And... You know, that puts a lot of pressure when you've already yeah. finding it really hard to step up and say, hey, I'm not drinking tonight. And then you've also let down and disappointed the friend that mm. you're going out with. Mm. That makes it exceptionally hard not to drink. And they know that most yeah. of the time. I think that's why I drank a lot of the time was because I didn't want it was more like a it was almost like an unselfish thing was to me to drink so that everybody else felt comfortable. I'm just realising that now while you're talking. Mm. Like, I drank because I didn't want to make people feel uncomfortable if I didn't, because I wanted them to think I was on the same vibe as them so that they could all relax and have a good time. So sometimes, even though I didn't want to drink when I went out, if I was hungover or anything, I drank because I didn't want to let people down. (laughs) I mean, I can remember plenty of times that I would go out and I'd had a massive night the night before, but I was perhaps going out for a girl's lunch or something the following day, for example, at midday. And the last thing I wanted to do was go. And the last thing I wanted to do was drink. But I would sit there and force that drink down me because I didn't want to let the people I was with down. Yeah. Because we'd arranged a boozy lunch. So, you know, that's a red flag. And a particular red flag that comes out to me as well with one of my enablers, a guy that I kind of went out with for um, a few months. And we got on really well. Lovely guy. I can remember we had a massive session of drinking at mine. And the following morning, he went out onto my balcony at about 11 o'clock in the morning to smoke a joint. Yeah. Now, I don't smoke weed, never have. Absolutely delighted that I don't like it. It's the only thing I don't like. Yeah. I'm so pleased. There's one thing I don't <laughs> like doing, and that's weed. But I remember watching him out there, and there was a bottle of red wine on the side, and I thought, bugger it, I'm going to have a drink if he's having a joint. Yeah. So 11 o'clock in the morning, I pour myself a red wine and I'm sort of stealing myself for him to turn around and look at me to see what his reaction will be. Yeah. And he did. He turned around, looked at me and I held up the glass. Yeah, so, cheers. Like, as if to say cheers. And he went, no judgment here. <sighs> well, I kind of fell in love at that moment. I was right. like, I honestly thought, what a great guy. What a oh, non-judgmental no. guy he is. I feel so comfortable with this man uh, because he's not judging me. And yet, what was he actually doing? It was oh, not the right thing to be so doing toxic. to a friend. Yeah. I mean, and, and the other way, I mean, I should have said to him, why the fuck are you smoking a joint at 11 in the morning? That is You're not like, the this right is, thing to do. This is like him saying, 
let's do this. Like, yeah, you, I allow you to do that. You allow me to do this. Enabling yeah. the situation. And Carte to be blanche, fair, it's called, isn't he, it? Well, it is. Yes, mm. that's right. It's a very posh word around it. Carte very blanche. 70s word. That, yeah, it is very isn't 70s, yeah. It's I might a, have a baby sham. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With my carte blanche. <laughs> And but, grog bog. And grog bog, yeah. I'll have a cocktail, a grog blog bog, please. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, I, I, I think, God, what were we doing to each other? We were actually God. destroying each other yeah. at that time. He didn't realise because I never told him how upset and how how I was struggling so much with alcohol. So I can't blame him. No, no, it's and not And I was doing the same back. But I, somebody to say there's no judgment here it was like, the most amazing Free for feeling. Yeah, yeah, I can do this and I'm not being judged. This is wonderful. This is amazing, mm. yeah. Well, I'm judging. I'm here to judge you now. Yes, I get judged on everything, yeah. don't I? Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, um, the people that I, you know, when I realised that people weren't cool about me not drinking was when I started to not get invited to things. <laughs> That's kind of a strong sign that people are finding it hard, isn't it? Because they don't want you there because they mm. don't want, the, you know, the the bloody party pooper there while they're getting stuck in. I mean, it's as simple as that. Why would you want someone there? Who can remember Who can remember your behaviour? Who can, you know, it's too confronting for people. I remember telling people once and the way I described their reaction, it's like that recoiling in horror, is uh, people do a disgusted pig face sometimes when I tell them I'm sober. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, it's like I am disgusted with you. Like their nose turns up and their face screws up and then people just think it's absolutely disgusting. Um... I mean, and also when you say you're sober, of course, people think you're a real alcoholic, which isn't the case at all. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before, but what is a real alcoholic? I mean, there's so many, such a grand scale for these things, isn't there? Um, And also when people started telling me I was boring or a fun spoiler, I remember one time being out when I was still a drinker and somebody said to me, oh, stop being a goody two shoes because I'd only had one glass of wine or something and I remember him saying it to me and literally grabbing hold of a shot and necking it in front of him to say look don't you dare call me a goody two-shoes this is who I am I am the drinker I am the punk in this situation I'm definitely not and it was the most offensive thing that anyone could say to me yes goody two-shoes whereas now like I like being a goody two-shoes like for once it's nice to be that that's a little bit about growing up as well isn't it yeah it's a bit of an English term, that one. But yeah, being called that was my <laughs> biggest fear. Two shoes. I, I mean, it's up... not exactly the most derogatory thing to be I know. called, is it? <laughs> goody two shoes. Yeah. <laughs> so highly offended by those words. It's they, actually stuck with you forever. Goody two shoes. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird term, isn't it? He was a real meaner. Yeah. <laughs> what a bastard. <laughs> Called me everything else, but Goody Two Shoes was the one that I had a problem with. <laughs> so I feel like a dick now saying that. Anyway, it is a children's no, the story, story. The story is the fact that you had to ta- have a knockback yes, to I prove to... to him that you weren't yeah. this thing that he called you. Exactly. Magnets, yeah. I just wanted to prove that I wasn't that. I was just going to say very quickly. I did look up the word Goody Two Shoes because I like that word. Or not. Uh. <laughs> and it is it is derived from a children's story published in 1765. And it was a, a story of goody two-shoes, goody two-shoes as a descriptor for an excessively virtuous person or do-gooder. A poverty-stricken orphan girl gets new shoes from a charitable gentleman. I can see why you were so very offended. How dare you, you charitable gentleman, call me that. <laughs> Oh dear. We might have to take that bit out. No, we've got to leave it in. We've got to leave it in. It's my little nickname for you now, Goody Two Shoes. 
Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, look, okay, let's move on <laughs> after yeah. the goody two-shoes episode. Yeah. Um, what are some of the reasons that people choose not to support your sobriety? I think my first one, Lucy, here is generally people don't support your sobriety because they can be twats. Yeah, the door song you. comes into my mind. There, people are strange. Yes, people are very strange. Oh, I thought sometimes. we were going to sing it together. Then people, people are strange when you're a stranger. Faces are ugly when you're alone. Yeah. From the Lost Boys, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, okay. perfect example. Lost, where everybody's lost. Yeah, <laughs> just we, whether they we were the lost girls, yeah. lost middle-aged women at one point. Yeah, <laughs> and people can be selfish and they want a drinking buddy. Exactly what we've said. And it's too confronting because it means they have to look in the mirror and confront their own drinking issues. Yes, and just to say though as well, Vic, um, it is a, it is something that they're not comfortable with, and they have to confront their own issues. And they might be thinking about doing that, but you, if you stop drinking and you tell them, you force that change upon them before they're ready for it. <laughs> Absolutely, that's a good point. I mean, we have talked about. Sub- you know, being ready for sobriety. And I think we talked about it with Sober Dave quite a yeah, lot. Yeah, the about, timing of it. Yeah, the timing and how you can reach so many horrendous rock bottoms, but you still don't stop drinking. But then all of a sudden you just get to the point where you've had it, you're done drinking. Mm. Um, and it has to be the right time for you to do it. And if somebody else sort of confronts you with their decision to stop drinking it makes you confront yourself and you're not ready for that you know the timing isn't right for you so it can be very difficult even though they they want to be supportive they simply can't be because you're making their life harder and then making them question themselves more and it would be a defense mechanism i mean if anyone said to me when i was drinking you need to quit or you need to slow down or you need to swap stop I would have really pushed back on that heavily. I would have been like, I haven't got a problem. Because like, well, yeah. I just didn't want somebody else. It's that acceptance thing. Again, it's like someone calling you out. And I just would have pushed that back and it probably would have made me drink even more. And, actually. It's, and it's not even somebody saying to you, you no. need to stop. It's somebody saying, hey, look, I've decided to stop. Mm. It's really confronting for the other person, listening to the fact that you've actually made that decision for yourself. They mm. sort of feel, shit, well, should I be doing that? I mean, I know when people have told me they're not drinking or they're slowing down or they've stopped in the past while I was still drinking, mm. it always brought it back onto me. Yeah. Even though they never did it. They never said, and you should stop. Yeah. No one needed to say it. It was just like, I should be doing I'm the one who should have made that decision. I know it. Yeah, that's so true. And also people don't like it when, we've talked about the vibe thing, but people don't like it when you're not on the same level as them. So for example, like I used to sleep around a lot and I would always have a good story the next day and you know, people would be disappointed that I hadn't slept with a Barry Gibb lookalike the night before because I always had a good story. I always had a weird yeah. story, like some weird guy that I'd gone off with and I'd come the next day, it'd sit in the pub and everyone would sit rolling around laughing mm. because of the awful antics I'd been into. So they're not going to support my sobriety because it means they're not going to get those stories in well, the they're end. They're not getting the entertainment from you that no. they used to. I mean, I still get very entertained by you. Okay, good. That's all right then. But then it's really, really easy to entertain me nowadays. Oh, <laughs> Um, one, of the, to one of the reasons that people choose not to support, support your sobriety is because you're less likely to sleep with them. <laughs> Basically, that is so true. That's it. I, I am very less likely to sleep with anybody, including yeah. my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm quite fascinated by this sober sex thing. I'm yet to yeah. even go there. Yeah, we haven't been way. there yet, no. Yeah, so I... Um, 
but but yeah, I mean, my enablers, the people that I went out with, um, they used to always bring a bottle of wine when they came to see me because they knew that unless I had a bottle of wine in me, I probably wouldn't sleep with them. And that was a fact. Mm. Um, I was more likely to do it. Um, and I, it was a weird thing. It was a real head fuck as well because... I don't know, I was drinking and in, in my heart of hearts it was making me feel worse and feeling... God, it's like you're giving in in each glass, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and then, and then you need that loving from someone to yes. tell you that you're, you're okay. You're okay. Oh, slippery so slope. then you end up sleeping with this person who you wouldn't have slept with before you had the bottle of wine mm. because you're feeling so awful yeah. and all your inhibitions have gone and your yep. sense of what's right and wrong. You do sleep with them, mm. but you haven't slept with them for the right reasons. It's not the right all. reasons at all. It can get you into very messy relationships, which we are going to talk about a bit later. Also, drunk people are very easy to blame. I mean, that's why people don't like, you know, when you give up drinking is because they don't have anyone to blame for their own behaviour. It's not so much mm. also about giving up. It's like you don't have someone there to say this is your fault. Like, mm. this is why we went out last night and you were the ones that got the shots in. There's, mm. That person's gone. Yeah. So all of a sudden they're confronted with themselves again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and, I mean, you talked about how you always felt that you had to entertain people when you went out because they liked the drunk version of you more yeah. than the sober version. But taking that a step further, did you like the drunk version of you more as well? Honestly, I abandoned myself in those situations. So I don't even know who the drunk version of me was. I guessed from people's reactions that it was funny. Mm. Um, but I... I lost my soul wasn't in me when I was drinking. It was just pounding the drinks until the point I was in a blackout, end of story. So I never got to know myself. You know, we say we're confronted, but I was never confronted with myself because I drank through the confrontation. But but the end result was that people were entertained by you. They laughed at you. They yeah. liked you. So you took from that, yes. I'm a really good drunk. People like me when I'm drunk. So therefore, I have to keep drinking to, to hold on to all my mates yeah. and to keep entertaining them all. Yeah, so drinking was basically... It was how I built my personality. Yeah, me too. And I can remember going out, um, meeting up with people and having sitting there with the first drink and not really feeling revved up mm. and not entertaining or talking or saying the things that I, I would say when I'd had a drink. As soon as I'd had a couple of drinks in me, I was... A better, I felt I was a better, nicer, funnier, more social person. I wish I we could watch a video of ourselves oh. now, like that descent, like literally just a camera on your face with that first glass of wine with you sitting there looking a little bit shy and going like, kind of, I feel a bit uncomfortable. And then I, I would like to watch just that an hour of five glasses of wine and see what happens. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I would want to watch that. Oh, it'd just be fascinating though, wouldn't it? Just to of anyone, just to see yeah. how they just change in that in that process. Well, we should just go out for a night, Saturday night, and we can yeah. watch people do it all yeah. night long, yeah. can't we? Yeah. Yeah, scary. Okay, so let's talk about friends and how to manage your friendship circle around getting sober because it can be tricky, can't it? Can you give us some tips here, Vic, as you have more friends than me at the start? Well, it's very funny for me because my husband was never really a huge drinker. He was kind of, I mean, we drank a lot when we first met, but he was really the reason I was able to give up drinking because he loved me for me. He loved the person I was, not the entertainer, the drinker. He he didn't have that need to laugh from me all the time. 
You mm. didn't have that expectation. Expectation is a really horrible word because expectation always ends in disappointment. But mm. he didn't have any expectations of me. He loved the person that I was, the person I didn't know, which was really interesting to me. I was mm. like, gosh, this is... How lovely. Yeah, really lovely. And that completely changed me as a person because actually I didn't have to act out anymore. Mm. So I was really, really lucky that I met someone and that was really how I was capable of giving up drinking was that somebody loved me for me. He was a crucial part, really, wasn't he? Was he was a crucial part. I don't think drinking. I would have done it if I'd been married to a person that was a heavy drinker. And there you have it. That's the power of people in your world yeah. around drinking. And also I moved when I was questioning my drinking. Mm. I hadn't stopped, but I lived in Sydney when I was, st- I was still quite... I'd had kids already and I was still drinking quite heavily, binge drinking, and... Then I moved and I met a group of people who didn't drink that much. And that was really a shock for me. So all of a sudden I had this husband who wasn't expecting me to drink and I had this group of friends who weren't expecting me to drink. Yes. So I didn't really need to drink. So it made it forced me into questioning even more, like why why am I like this and why do I feel the need in groups of people to be that person mm. when in fact I realised I didn't have to be anymore and that led to me questioning my drinking even more, but which I'll, led to me becoming sober I'll eventually. I'll just point out here that those two things are massive, aren't they? Huge. You, you, you met the guy that you married who wasn't a big drinker and you moved across Australia yeah. <laughs> a really long way. And they're quite drastic things, they? are aren't massively they? drastic things and I think that's the point we're trying to make here. Yeah, you, you, you might have to make drastic changes with the people in your world yeah. if you want to really seriously give up drinking. Yeah, um, I didn't know those changes were happening, actually. They weren't decisions I made because of, because drinking. of the drinking. They were organic things that happened that forced me into addressing my drinking. They mm. were natural progressions. Whereas, in fact, sometimes, you know... If I had been questioning before, I totally agree with you. It's good. But sometimes things will happen naturally that will force you into thinking about your drinking as well, which is great. Do you think if you stayed in Sydney, you would still be drinking? A good question. I don't think so. I think I, I think like all party girls, I think the, the train has to stop somewhere, doesn't it? Mm. It has to crash. Yeah. It can't go on like that. I'd be dead by now. It might have gone on a bit longer, though. It might have gone on longer for sure. Yeah, it definitely would have gone longer. I had to change the chapter then when I moved. It was like a new start and I was capable of readdressing everything. Mm. Those new starts, you don't have to move location. You don't have to move house. You don't even have to change your friends. You don't have to marry a nice guy. You don't. Well, it'd be better if you did. (laughs) He's available for rent, my husband, (laughs) 50 bucks an hour, directly to my bank account. Um, But yeah. Those chapter changes don't have to be as drastic as what Lucy and I are talking about. It can be literally deciding to reach out for help. Mm. Um, Yeah, so I would have found it much harder. I think decisions like this, giving up drinking or questioning your drinking, would possibly be much harder in your 20s than in your 40s because you're surrounded by people again. Like I was lucky by my 40s, I wasn't surrounded by all of these people. But in my 20s, I could have never have looked out of that box. And I think it would be a lot harder for people at that age. Yes. And that's where we want to focus a bit more on those younger people, don't we? And helping them to question their behaviour earlier on so they don't have to go through what we've been through. I've sort of put here, one of the things to do is test out your friends. Yeah, good idea. Sometimes it's a really good way to work out which are your really close friends. So see how they sort of handle your sobriety. So if you tell them that you're giving up drinking and step out of the picture for a bit and see what happens, you might never hear from them again. Yeah. 
that's probably for the best. That's a good sign. Um, if you telling them that you're trying to get sober is enough to make them run for the hills mm. and they weren't really a very good friend. However, what they might do and what's happened to us mostly is they might reach out and offer you support. Yeah, which is fantastic. And also breathe a sigh of relief that finally you've made the decision to get sober yeah. and they can actually go out with you without you making a complete fool of yourself yeah. and ruining the night. Yeah, and pissing yourself and yeah, or whatever falling, in front, or or doing, falling in front of a car like you did. Yeah, rolling over in front of a car. Did land on my hands and knees. Yeah, like the cat. Or, and then doing a, um, a what's it called, a, a grog bog oh, yeah. in the morning. <laughs> Because I mean, what's so revolting wants to put the up with that? Sorry, but, people that are listening to this on their beautiful morning <laughs> run on the beach, and we're talking about grog bog. Oh, we, I, were, we were fascinated by that. Yeah, really, though. I just want to mention very quickly here: with friends, it's very different to family. With friends, you can end a friendship, but mm. with families, it's much, much harder. If people are drinking around you, like my family, are all big drinkers, always have been. They've slowed down a bit recently, I think, when they've they see what I do, and I think it has made them address it a bit. But you can't choose your family. So sometimes you might have to just accept that people are the way they are and they're never going to change, which can be very, very difficult. And I think that's when you have to adapt your sobriety slightly and Mm. know when to leave. Instead of trying to stay around these people when they're drinking, just know what your limits are and say, right, everybody's getting on it. It's time for me to go home because that is really, really triggering. And and sometimes people aren't going to change and you just sometimes have to accept Mm. that. So yeah. it is a bit different, different, isn't it, dealing with your friends Yes. to dealing with your family. And that's what we're going to talk about next. We're going to talk about what to do if a close family member who lives in the same home as you is still drinking, how best to manage that. Yeah, that is a very, very difficult one that we get a lot of emails about, don't we? Mm-hmm. A lot of people contact us to say that their husbands are still drinking and, and how do they stop? Um, I think one of the best things to do is to mention how drinking in the past... Um, how drinking is affecting you. So if you have a close family member who is still drinking, like tell them how you're feeling about it. For me, I I got myself in a lot of fucked up relationships because of alcohol. I fell in love with people that I met in bars and things like that. I've 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 termed it, Lucy. You're going to be pleased to hear. Oh, I'm term. calling it TPTL, which stands for Two Pissed to Leave. Mm, and I think that's a very, a very common thing. Yeah. yeah, I was drinking in a relationship I was unhappy with and I got too drunk to leave. Mm. Um, well, you haven't got the clarity when you're, you when you're drinking all the time to, to, to recognise that you're on a bad run. And sometimes you know you're on a bad run and you know that the relationship you're in isn't working, so therefore you drink more. Well, and you're depressed as well and you're drinking yeah. more and that's depressing you even more. So you end up being with people who you don't suit and don't suit you. and Again, mm. enablers, like you said. Um, It actually led me at one point in my life, Lucy, I haven't talked about this before, but I, when I was living in Thailand, I met a guy who seemed very, very um, charismatic and and very kind and I was drinking a lot of the time and just sort of ended up being in a relationship with someone who, if I'd been sober, I never would have even considered. And that relationship was very toxic it was a very slow manipulation of of my kind heart because I had never been around somebody who was so manipulative I just thought their behavior was a bit strange and a bit odd I never stopped to consider that actually they were you know a psychopath basically at the end of the day (laughs) god I know and it's funny these situations you can get yourself in because of drinking Um, and that that relationship ended up with me 
on the side of a road with a black eye. Um, he became violent towards me. But because the relationship was failing so massively, I was drinking, um, drinking away to numb it out because I felt like I couldn't get out of it. It was one of those classic domestic violence situations, I guess, where you feel so low that you can't break free from it. So that's like as far as it goes down, like, you know, both those mm. things, Lucy, didn't stop me drinking, I have to say. Yeah. You know, the, the prison yeah. fart. <laughs> the court fart the court fart and the abusive boyfriend right. and, and that's that's a really shocking story Vic, because honestly me. Um, I, I'm sure that well we know unfortunately you're not the only one who gets into situations like that and do you feel that he in a sense you know he quite liked you drinking he probably felt that you know he by, by, by allowing you to drink a lot it was making you more vulnerable probably and also I think he kind of I don't know, it's just one of those sort of people that you like to be a hater. So it was just another excuse to be horrible to me. So you drank too much last night or yes. you were this or you were that. It was like it gave him the tools to be even more horrible to me. But I was very yeah. naive, as I said. I was, you know, a girl who always trusted people and always thought everybody was really kind in their hearts and that made me very very vulnerable I'm not like that so much anymore and I must say that situation was shit and I was traumatized by it for a few years but if I hadn't been through that I would never have appreciated the man that I'm married to now so that gave me an understanding of the rights and wrongs in a relationship mm. and go right I never want to do that again I'm not going to drink throughout a relationship because I'm unhappy I'm not going to accept someone mm. I'm actually realize now that that wasn't my fault it was him he was mad and it was alcohol it was mm. all messy and that's what I do not want ever again yeah you should never have to drink to be with someone. No. And it does make you reassess when you get out of those situations actually what you want. Mm. Just a, a little resource I've thought of for people. The Girl on the Train. Have you read it? Oh, Watched yes. it on TV. Yeah. Really, really good storyline there about somebody, yeah. a woman who um, was manipulated because she drank too much. Um, yeah. She was manipulated by her husband there. So that's a really interesting one. But it, yeah, and that's a horrific story, Vic. But thanks yeah. for showing it with us because I think it is important to yeah. see the sort of how low you can go if you're yeah. hanging out with people. If you need a drink to hang out with someone, you're going to end up with some real wrong-ins. And sometimes it just tumbles without you even realising, like I was just travelling, then we kind of met at a bar and then you sort of tumble into a relationship because everything's all so chaotic <laughs> yeah. and you're hungover. And then suddenly you're with someone and it's almost like it feels like too late to get out. But we yeah. must say it's never too late to get out. And, no. you know, you must reach out for help in those situations. And relationships need to be based on real connection, not tipsy lust that leads to toxic love is what I've put there. So reassess and work on yourself and hopefully everything else will fall into place, which unfortunately could mean the end to some long-term friendships and relationships. Mm. I mean, sometimes have to, things have to go wrong before they go right. Unfortunately, that's what makes us readdress ourselves is mm. that this has happened, I don't want it to happen again. My drinking's gone shit, I'm going to quit. You know, you have to reach these lows to reach the highs. I know I sound like a cliché box here, but it's true. <laughs> well, you do, yeah. I mean, you might have to reach the lows several times, actually, yeah. like we have. Um, I, I was I was married to a party man. My, my, my um, marriage was based on drinking and partying, um, and that is how we got on. And we did eventually, after 10 years of marriage, separate um, not specifically due to the drinking but looking back it was definitely something that was very relevant we were both big drinkers probably as 
as bad as one another with mm. drinking. But I was the one who was questioning my drinking more and more. And like I was saying, even before I was married, when we were at that house in Byron Bay, I was saying to him, I'm not that happy with last night, how it went. Yeah. I don't want to drink. I'm embarrassed. Um, so that was becoming more and more and more until it was kind of like he was like, yes, okay, you've got a drinking problem. And I was relieved that he he had accepted it. Um, And he did encourage and support me to go to therapy and to AA and on my attempts to stop drinking. But... All the while, he was still drinking. Mm. He was still drinking, you know, look, you know, re- reasonably heavily. Um, but by that point, the light was shining on me. I was the one with the problem, and I'd asked for him to recognise my problem, and he had done that. So I was really pleased. What I didn't realise was lurking in the shadows was the fact that he was still drinking, and that was a problem for me. Mm. And I have to say that. I don't believe I would ever have given up unless I separated from him. Mm. It's not the reason we broke up and we had a very amicable breakup, I will say, and we are friends now. But we worked when we were drinking, when we were partying. When things got serious in life, we didn't work. Mm. I almost feel like I changed and wanted to move on and get sober, but he was happy to carry on the way he was going. Yeah. Um, and that's his choice and that's my choice, but they're different. And so they separated us. Yeah. And that and that is a very, very common thread, isn't mm. it, that we hear about a lot, is that there's somebody at home who is still drinking and that is affecting your ability to quit. Mm. So I read an article in The Tempest this week, Lucy. Um, the Tempest is a brilliant resource for anyone giving up drinking. They've got all sorts of amazing articles on there. Um, the statement was... Keep your eyes on your own paper. So essentially, it's not your job to worry about anyone else's behaviour. You just focus on your own. If not, you might find yourself obsessing over a loved one's drinking and lose track of your own purpose. This kind of outward anger will only drive a big wedge between you and your partner. Your partner will feel controlled because you'll basically be having a go at Mm. them saying, why are you still drinking when I'm not? And you will feel let down by them. I mean, that's the obvious reaction Mm. is when you're trying to give up and someone else is still drinking. The best thing you can do is, as I say, keep your eyes on your own paper. You know, keep your sobriety the number one issue for you. Like, that's what you've got to control. You can't control other people. And hopefully they will witness your positive changes and follow suit. That's all you can hope. That is all you can hope for, really. And I know that as well from being in a relationship for so long with with both of us drinking. Um, You know, one of my suggestions here is to try and find a halfway point, i.e. no alcohol in the house for half the week and things like that. Yeah, just try and and balance it. You can try and do that. But then even with something like that, you're telling them, look, you can't drink. Yes. half of the week because of the issue that I have and how I'm trying to make change um, you can talk to them as much as you want but unless you've got them 100% on side and if they're already struggling even though they may not have admitted it with their own alcohol intake it's going to be really difficult it's hard enough to get yourself out of that rut but to pull someone else out with you is almost impossible um, and in many cases there are separations that happen and they have to um, you know you have to make rules in your house around alcohol when yeah. you're not drinking. I'm sober now and we're an alcohol-free household. My kids are not allowed to bring alcohol into the house. They mm. absolutely know it and they completely understand it. It's just the way we live now. Yeah. It's part of our lives. But if you've got another adult who's got it ingrained in them, who always comes home with a crate of beer on a Friday night or whatever it is and you're trying desperately. Oh, it's so hard. It is literally impossible. So what you're saying there, Vic, is, is really true. You just have to focus on yourself, get yourself well. You, 
it's so difficult with someone there disturbing what you're trying to do, your mm. plan, and, and you know, you're, you're trying not to drink and they come home with a drink and it's like, I don't know if I can do this. It makes it so much harder. Yeah. But again, bring it back to yourself. This is my journey, not theirs. I'm going to take away the bitterness that they're drinking. That's their problem Yeah. if they're drinking. I'm not going to have a go at them for it, but I'm going to look inwards to what I want and I'm not going to drink. I suppose it's good training, isn't it? Yeah, it's training for the outside world. Yeah. So look, this is my story, this is my path, mm. and I have to tread it. And hopefully my amazing changes that I'm making will just make that person go, wow, yeah. look um, at what they're doing. We've actually got some comments from the group because you put that question on oh, there, yeah, I put a question you? Because it is something that comes up a lot on my Facebook group. It's called the Drunk Mummy Sober Mummy group. If It's for women questioning their alcohol intake. So pop on there if you've got any questions. But yeah, they always are up for answering a few questions for the podcast. Yeah, should we read them out? Yeah. Am I first or are you? You are. I'm in red instead of blue font. I know. Oh, I don't know. I feel a bit uneasy now. The devil's okay, blood. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> the first one is, and there were heaps of them. We've just mm. picked a few, haven't we? Um, that's a hard one. My husband and I were each other's enablers. I quit six months today. Well done, whoever this is. Six months. That's brilliant. And never asked him to do that. But living as an example, he cut back too, maybe a tenth of what he used to drink and can quite easily moderate. Lucky bastard. Yeah. She didn't say that. I did. Um, over the course of time, he's even enjoyed the zero alcohol beers. My advice would be that you need to walk your own cliche alert journey. Yeah, keep your eyes on your own paper. It's exactly <laughs> yeah. the same. However, be that example of what an amazing full life can look like alcohol free and people will want to join you. And if they don't, then kill them. <laughs> kill your darlings, as they say, don't they? It's a famous writing term. It's like, kill yeah. your darlings. Uh, she says, ha ha. I hope she was joking. Extreme. Uh, extreme. <laughs> um, but it does make you reassess friendships. Yeah. Um, the next one is, my husband and I were connected through drinking. We loved it so much. It's been hard. We completely lost each other. He was still stuck in a world that I no longer found appealing. And then in big letters, she's written, communication. You've got to be honest. We are working with us. It doesn't get better overnight. It does help seeing him hungover and reminding myself why I don't like drinking. Yeah, that's actually a good thing really for your helpful, path. Yeah. yeah. It also made him look at his own drinking. It isn't easy, but you're worth the change no matter what. Yeah. So and there were loads of... It's funny, whenever you put a question up on your group, it was like when we did the last podcast about COVID, mm. we were expecting a lot of people to say how difficult COVID was. But the general theme was that COVID made them reach their rock bottom and actually change their drinking. Yeah. And on this thread here where we were asking, you know, how they've managed living in a home with other people who are drinking... People have said, look, I've done it and by focusing on myself. And in fact, it's had an impact on their drinking as well. Exactly what we were hoping for. Yeah. I mean, that isn't always the case. And sometimes always, you do no. have to leave. No. But a lot of the time, I think you might be surprised that yeah. people, people that are heavy drinkers, really, they're not happy. Not. When it comes down to it, if you're a heavy drinker, there's probably highly likely that you are not happy in yourself. And that's something that we both know. We were drinking because really there was something in us that was making us unhappy. So that person is going to be open to change. I can assure you they might not show it. They might not know it, but they are going to be ready at some point. And they're not going to make that change by you asking them to. But no. if you can demonstrate to them that yeah. change, people look at me and they say, God, you've changed so much. You look so different. 
everything's different about me now I'm sober. And it's the same with you, Vic. Yep. If you're a living example of that. And what a wonderful way to help a loved one who is drinking too much yeah. by just, just doing their it example. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same with kids. We say that a lot. You know, be an example. Don't allow them to follow suit. Like, yeah. they're not going to follow suit. If they're going to be like you. And if you're showing, you know, you're this guiding light that's doing something right because that's what it is sobriety is doing something right it is and even better having been a big drinker and turning it around yeah yeah, that's a really good thing to be able to show people yeah and someone else has put move out try a new life (laughs) i agree with that one as well yeah remember we're all completely unique all our situations are unique so the advice that we're offering and the things that we're talking about here are things that have happened for us happened to us and things that have worked for us Um, so yes we're not telling people that if your husband's heavy drinking you should move out and divorce him get counseling probably would be a good idea yeah get some support um why you shouldn't fear making big changes to the people in your world and the end result it will have. Here we go. Ending on a high, as usual. Yeah, so what we're trying to say is like exactly what we're talking about, you know, why you shouldn't fear being sober. I mean, when I know where there's that word now. I can't remember what it was, the fear of sobriety that we talked about oh, last yes. week. It's not necrophilia, is it? That's no. When you see <laughs> sure, it, no, it's definitely not uh, that. We've probably got a few of those listening, though. <laughs> We've got all sorts listening in. And that's all right. We like it. Yeah, we don't mind. Okay. Um, If it's not working, change it. As I said, get a marriage counsellor. You don't have to give up on people, but you do have to clear your path. I changed and people respected my honesty and openness. Honesty was my weapon of choice. And I'm now all guns blazing in sobriety. So just being honest about your drinking is a way to tell people what you're doing and what they should expect so they're not Mm. disappointed. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, And one of the things about becoming sober is making really, really massive changes to your life. Yeah, and being proud of those changes as well. Be the one forging forward. Um, And and many of those changes are going to be around the people in your world. And it might seem madness to you at the moment if you're listening and thinking, oh my God, my best mate who I've known forever is a really big drinker. How am I going to work through this with her you know she's the person I always go out with she's the person I turn to but you do need to address it with with the people who are close to you yeah and that might mean you lose them from your world even just temporarily and Mm. it might seem like such a massive change but that's what sobriety is it's about making heaps of massive changes one thing that um, people say to me often is like I've given up drinking I've done two weeks I've done a month but I've got this big event coming up in two weeks and I'm dreading it I mean I used to dread events because I knew I'd be the drunkest person there but now Mm. I look forward to everything because I know that I'm just going to leave early and be be a smug sober bastard sitting in the corner with my lemonade but you know that you've got to be proud of it and you've got to stay with that you've got to stay with that feeling in your heart you know and and leave everything else behind because you can go into that situation and you can do it and the only reason you'd want to drink in that situation is to appease everybody that's going to be there yeah and that's not a good enough reason anymore, is it? No, it's, it's not, not a good enough reason to and, to... and all that becomes clear when you start drinking, but yeah. it's a bit difficult. It's a chicken and the egg because you need to get sober, really, to realise that. Yeah. But when you think of making the changes to people in your world, you have to remember that you might have to say goodbye to a few 
old friends. Yeah. But you're going to create new friends. I mean, we wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast if we weren't both sober. No. Um, I mean, I don't believe that you and I, Vic, would be as close to friends as we are if, if I was still drinking. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been friends with you because I would find it too triggering it and I'd be, be too- like... No, that's not working for me. Yeah. I know what works now and I know what doesn't. So um, I wouldn't bring people into my life yeah. that I felt were having, you know, although I'm, I am available to help people in those situations, but real true friendships, I'm not sure I could allow that in. Yeah, but you. But when you say goodbye to old friends, you are going to find new friends and the yeah. friends that work for you in your sober world. And what you'll notice is that the old friends, the ones that you've lost contact with, or you know, you just speak to once a year, perhaps, or you just you know like their posts on Facebook. Those people, they they did serve a wonderful purpose in your world, and yeah. it's not putting down that friendship in any way. It was no. it was a time thing, um, but you notice that you've got nothing in common with them anymore. Yeah. So why would you keep up such a difficult relationship when one of you is drinking and one of you is sober? Yeah. So it's about accepting that you are going to lose some people in your world, but you're also going to open lots of new doors to new people who and support your new massive yeah. changing healthier, lifestyle. Healthier relationships probably and people that respect your choices. Because if people don't respect your choices, that's up to them. They're the one that's ditching the friendship. It's not you. They're ditching the friendship by not respecting your choice to give up drinking. Yeah, they might see it the other way around so yeah. if you're you're letting down the friendship because you're the one who's changing they're not doing anything they're remaining the same they are remaining the but same but that's the same with a lot of long term marriages or just long term relationships the reason that they do break up and you go your separate ways is because you change and Somebody that's what humans evolves. do yeah, yeah people evolve. we do you could be exactly the same perfect for each other for like 10 years and then you both start to move in different directions why stay with that person yeah. if it's not working and you've just evolved and changed naturally yeah. And you don't work together anymore. Um, another thing that I put here, um, why you shouldn't fear making um, big changes to the people in your world is because socialising is a lot cheaper yes. when you're sober and you're yeah. going out with another so sober true. person. And it involves a lot more cake. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and tea. I've become a tea connoisseur. Yeah, me too. Yeah, got to have your... Uh... What's my one I like? Oh, what's that? Cat Celestial. Celestial. Celestial, yes. Oh, I should, I've got a new kitchen and Vic came around the other day to take photos of my daughter's graduation because she's really shit hot with her iPhone yeah. camera, aren't yeah. you? She takes brilliant photos. So she very kindly came around to take some photos. I've got a new kitchen and I've got a pull-out drawer, which is just full of different varieties yeah. of tea. She was very, very impressed. I was. I do like a nice tea drawer. Oh, yes. It's got, it's probably got you, I've gone from bog lids to tea drawers. <laughs> <laughs> a nice shiny bog lid I used how, to like. How things change. How things change. <laughs> right, we've got some tips and takeaway for you guys. Okay. Uh, so if, like Vic and I, you've been drinking heavily for many years, you will likely have a wild, booze-soaked friendship circle with a million hilarious drunken tales to tell. Of course, this was fun while it lasted, but it won't help your sober mission. Accept that change is needed and it starts with the people around you, the ones that you surround yourself with. We've mentioned some red flags that suggest your mates are not really vibing the new sober you. Open your eyes and recognise them. Even if this person happens to be your very best mate who you've known forever, if they are disrupting your sober dream, you need to rework the friendship somehow. Yeah, and I like that rework. It's not about chucking out old mates, is it? You don't want to be doing that. It's about changing it, reworking it. Yeah. Um, And yes, we are like a broken record, but be proud of your sobriety and talk about it openly. 
If an unsupportive drinking friend senses some embarrassment or weakness, they may use it to twist your arm and, heaven forbid, suggest you have just one glass. Oh, that old chestnut. (laughs) No such thing, is there? No such thing. Remember that people have their own reasons not to support, support your sobriety. It might be that they are not ready to change because you know and love, they know and love the drinking version of you. Or maybe your choices are forcing them to confront their own drinking issues, which happens a lot. Whatever their reasons, try to respect and understand them in the hope that they will respect and understand your pursuit for sobriety. Yeah, respect, hugely important. Yeah, Changing friends doesn't mean you have to write a Dear John letter and literally dump all your mates. Tell them how you feel and put some distance between yourself and them. Then see what happens. They might disappear from your life or reach out to support you. Both Vic and I have been pleasantly surprised by the amount of support that even our biggest drinking mates have given us. If you live with a family member who drinks and isn't supportive of you giving up, all is not lost. Try talking to them, find some middle ground or even get them involved in a therapy session with you. If they love you, as I'm sure they do, they will come round. But they may need to sort through some of their own stuff first. We've said it before and we'll say it again. Sobriety is not your old life without the booze. It is a completely different life. In knowing this, think about whether you need to rehaul your friendship groups and make sure your nearest and dearest are on side to support, encourage and cheer on the new sober you. And last but not least, just remember who you're doing this for first and foremost. It's for you. Lovely, perfectly imperfect you. It's time to give up worrying what others think and how they will handle your changes. That's their own complicated story. Just do what's right for you and the rest will become clear further down the zigzaggy sobriety highway. Yeah, I've got a little quote here. Go for it. If you design your own life plan, chances are you'll fall into someone else's plan. And guess what they have planned for you? Not much. (laughs) Very, very true. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you want to be part of someone else's plan? Also, you can carry on sitting on the sofa every Friday night and downing 20 beers while you watch telly. That is your choice to carry on. Again, it's about choice again. Mm. So you do have the choice. Looking inward rather than looking inward at yourself and whether you choose to do that with that person or not. Um, I watched a brilliant series this week, which I really wanted to recommend, Lucy. It was called In My Skin. It's on Stan. It was about mental health and a young girl whose mum has bipolar and whose father is an alcoholic. And it was all about what we're talking about today. She spends her life pretending to be happy when she's got all this stuff going on at home and she's pretending to all her friends that everything's okay and she sort of forgets about her own mental health, which results in her being unwell as well. It's really really triggery for some because there's a lot of um drinking and a lot of a lot of partying going on but the story and the theme of it is is really relevant to what we're talking about today so yeah check that out guys i really enjoyed it yeah i haven't got stan are you are you keep telling me about things on stan yeah, i think so many good my, yeah. recovery and tv I mean, that does sound really good it'd be a massive trigger for me i'm really struggling with the things i watch on tv at the moment it's on netflix and things i literally have to turn them off because they trigger me because there's people with hangovers or drinking yeah. so then like when i'm feeling like i can feel my heart rate going up and i get this sort of ang- pit of anxiety in my stomach just through something I'm watching on TV. So what I do now is if I'm feeling like that, I switch over to Garden in Australia. Oh, good And idea. I find that calms me down. Yeah. And then I might be able to go back and watch. This, this is the truth. I yeah. can then go back and watch something, but I can only watch it for about 20 minutes because there's people taking drugs or drinking heavily. So you sort of level out the playing yeah. field by then going and watching something a bit more peaceful. A bit calming, yeah. yeah. 
But that's actually got worse okay, in my yeah. sobriety, Isn't those triggers. Yeah. yeah, so those triggers, triggers, yeah, they do keep coming. We've talked about triggers, so if anyone is struggling with theirs, yeah. head back and have a listen to our other podcast all about it. I was thinking about triggers, actually, the other day. It's funny you mentioned that. I think the triggers, I think in sobriety, everyone's like, when are the triggers going to go? When are they going to go? And actually, I don't think they ever go. I think it's about learning to sit with them and learning to live with triggers. Mm. Maybe they're the reminders that we need they're of the how reminders. bad we were. Exactly, and that's what you need. Yeah. I don't need gallstones, though, Lucy. I found out this week I've got a gallstone. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong is with me? Is that not an old woman's disease? I know, exactly. That's what I'm concerned about. It's very, I don't know what's, if anyone wants to email me any stuff about gallstones. <laughs> Have they got to take it out? I don't know. I don't know. I've got to, I've got to find out what's going on with it. Oh, I, no doubt I'll get all I'll the I'm going to get an episode. I, I expect that the listeners can't wait for the next bit of news well, we've about ha- schools. <laughs> we already had wart news, didn't we? We had wart news. That yeah. was way back. I'm waiting yeah. for you to get some sort of infectious skin fungus so that I can like be one well, up. I do. With I, have, my... I do have a bit of eczema, if that helps. Oh, excellent. Okay. So we could have gallstone gossip section of the website, <laughs> bloating bulletins, <laughs> and maybe a hemorrhoid hotline if anyone wants to call in and tell us about okay. their hemorrhoids. This doesn't make us sound like we're very healthy sober people sometimes you know you just have weeks where you feel like you're falling apart yeah you I do. had one of those weeks this week <laughs> you've been poorly haven't you I've been poorly I've had a cough so I'm going to congratulate you for getting through this whole I podcast know. without coughing I've got a tea in front of me and a coconut water and I've met I think I coughed once so I apologize everyone I hope you don't catch my horrible disease and give me a call about your hemorrhoids anytime <laughs> <laughs> thanks Vic thanks for listening <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Sober Awkward podcast. If alcohol is affecting your life in a negative way, if you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for help. Contact your local doctor, a therapist or connect with your local AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yes, go onto Facebook and just search Drunk Mummy, Sober Mummy, the group. Lucy and I both agree that even though this journey can be awkward, it's definitely worth it. And if we can do it, you can too. For more support on sobriety, head to Vic's website, drunkmummysobermummy.com. And Lucy runs an online space to support and inspire single mums. Find out more at beanstalkmums.com.au. Finally, if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to follow, subscribe, review and share it with your mates. Don't make it sound like they have to, though. No, they do have to. I'm not doing all this for nothing, Lucy. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. 
I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? There's probably ones with moody, moody sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. Yeah. You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry and cringe and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny-weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. (laughs) My teeny little wooden heart. His his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. 
Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> 